Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Woody Off the Cuff podcast. Whew, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this episode, so I hope this reaches your ears, but we'll see. (laughs) But I've just been sitting at my computer looking for about 30 minutes because the topic I'm going to talk about today is so straightforward and really cool, but it is also so emotional that it's very hard to get myself to speak. And so if you ever think that speaking comes easy to me or to, or that, um, that, you know, I'm really eloquent or that I, you know, have all these things to say, just know that it is an emotional labor to talk about important things, um, and things important to me. And I'm talking today because it, as always helps me process my feelings and information But I'm also going to give you just like the coolest, I think this is one of the solutions to the world's problems. I think what I'm going to tell you today is a slam dunk if you want it. Today, to use a basketball metaphor, I'm going to set you up on the court and give you a trampoline, and I'm going to let you jump on that trampoline up near the basket, and I'm going to throw the ball right into your hands, right when you're by the hoop, and you have the choice of whether you want to slam dunk this basketball or just kind of like let it go, come back down and go on your way. And the truth is, either option's totally fine. So I'm going to suggest two actions you can take today to make the world a better place. And you're welcome to take them or not. I want you to know that I'm never judging you, you know? If something is too uncomfortable or emotional for you, or if something, you know, doesn't sit right with you, you never have to do anything I say. Like, I think that is, I say this a lot, but a fundamental hallmark of you know, mind control and just problematic leaders or thought leaders is when they say you have to think like I do. I'm the opposite. I say question everything I have. Everything I say to you is simply an offering. It is simply me. Like I said with the alley-oop, I'm just putting it up on a platter for you. You can slam dunk it, you can eat it, or you can just let it go, you know. So anyway, there's my two cents about kind of how to interact with each other between you and me. But that said, I'm going to talk about how to make the world a better place today in terms of inclusion. Um, And it's so cool and so easy, but it's actually not something I see a lot of people doing. Um, And so I think there's room to just let you know about something you can be doing. And the two things I'm going to talk about today are listing your pronouns next to your name on everywhere you can, basically, and also on... um, learning what native people's land you live on. Like if you're in the Americas or Australia or a lot of places with, you know, a really large indigenous population that's been completely colonized by white people. um, There's so much cool stuff you can learn about the history of the indigenous peoples in your land. And for me, that would be the Native Americans of where I'm living right now in North Carolina. And so I'm not just going to educate you because education's great. Um, But I'm also going to tell you exactly what you can do to make the world like an awesome place at little to no cost to you and at great benefit to you. So today is just one podcast, but honestly, it's kind of like my vision for humankind. (laughs) Maybe that's grandiose. Maybe it's grandiose for me to say I have a vision for humankind. Like, how dare I think that? But when I have an idea that I think will really work, I'm going to back it. And I'm going to back this idea today of listing your pronouns and of learning about the native peoples that lived on your land. So here we go. All right. So let me just tell my story a little bit. 
Whew, calm down, talk a little slower, Woody. So I first learned about specifying pronouns in about, I don't know, four years ago, three or four years ago. And again, just to let you know, I am a noob at queer culture and at activism and all this. So also, if I say anything wrong or do anything that's offensive, you tell me and I'll correct it. I'll go back and edit the podcast. I'll add show notes to describe. Um, I'm always trying to be as inclusive as possible. And that includes knowing that as a content creator, I might mess up and you might need to call me out on that. So also a note there. But the first thing I noticed is I was on LinkedIn three or four or five years ago, at least three, but not more than five years ago. And I, uh, I saw someone's name on LinkedIn and then their name had this parentheses next to it. And it said, she slash her like parentheses, she slash her close parentheses. And I thought, what in the world is that? You know, I honestly didn't know. I was extremely confused by what this meant. Um, and so I like thought, huh, like, I don't know what that means. And then like a month or two went by and I started seeing this in a couple more places. And then I kind of learned, I, I saw online, I read about it, whatever. And I saw, oh, she slash her means this person wants to be called she as a pronoun or her as a pronoun. Like she went to the store. It was her groceries that she got at the store. I don't know, something like that. Frankly, although I had a great education, I don't know if I could have told you what a pronoun was before this point because I've forgotten all the terminology. Um, but yeah, so a few years ago, I see this she, her thing on, you know, some person's LinkedIn. And then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then some time goes on and then I learn what it means. And then I think, oh, cool. Like if people want to specify um, what pronouns they want to be used, that's really cool, right? Because then if they don't use what people might look at them and see, that's really useful for people to know, to call them by what they want to be called. And if people use, like, guess what? I now use they, them pronouns. If people use they, them pronouns, then um, then obviously no one, like, is very few people in current society are going to look at a person and look at them and decide, yeah, I'm just going to use they pronouns for them. They're going to look at you and say whether you look male or female and then use a he or a she pronoun usually. Um, although this may change as society moves on. But I'm telling you all this to tell you my story. So I see this. And then at some point it strikes me, you know, like at the time I'm identifying just as a male guy, whatever, he, him. So I didn't really think about it too much. And I thought, you know what? I match the pronouns that society would see me as. So there's no need for me to put my pronouns in parentheses next to anything. So for a long time, you know, maybe the past two years, um, until last year, maybe, you know, 2019, 2020, and some of 2021, I, um, I knew what pronouns were in descriptions, and it's what people wanted to be called, and it was inclusive, but I thought, well, I just want the pronouns that, uh, that match my, um, that match the way I look, so I don't have to say anything, you know, and I'm happy to respect other people's, but I'm not going to say anything about, um, mine, and so that was fine. But then one day something happened. I was in this Zoom meeting and there were maybe 20 people, maybe 20 or 25 people in a Zoom meeting. 
And most people on my Zoom meetings that I go to do not have their pronouns listed. I'm sure it's different in every culture, in every workplace, in every school, in every everything. So some of y'all may be listening like, oh yeah, my pronouns are everywhere. Like, come on, Woody, you're the one who's behind. But in my meetings, they weren't everywhere. And there was one person who had they, them pronouns listed, but looked to most people, I guess, like a woman. And so they um, they were being referenced and some other person, you know, a person who was just not really paying attention was talking about this person with their they, them pronouns listed. And they said, oh, she, this and this and this, she, that and that, she, she. And I could just watch this person who did not identify as she feeling like, sick. And I felt sick about it. I was like, oh man, I really wish that they were saying the right pronouns for this person. I wish that they were using they instead of she. And I felt like, wow, it must feel so bad for them to get, you know, misgendered, which is what you call it when you, you know, use the wrong gender term for somebody. Um, And it happens all the time and it's okay. And the person misgendering was super nice, right? They just didn't know better or didn't do better. Um, And so it was all okay. But I noticed that the next time I got on that specific Zoom meeting, the person had changed not just their pronouns, but their um, their profile picture to say, not a girl. It was just a picture of saying, not a girl. And it made me realize, wow, this person um, has changed from their face to this slide that says, not a girl, to show people, just like as a desperate attempt to get their basic identity um basic identity, you know, loved and cared for. And that really struck home with me because I realized something. I realized that if every single one of us were listing our pronouns in parentheses, there's almost no way that somebody wouldn't know to say the right pronouns for a person. It's not that they wouldn't make a short mistake. You know, we can all missay things. But what I realized is that since almost nobody had things in parentheses and no pronouns listed, people really weren't thinking about it, you know? People were just going about their day and they're not really paying attention. And I realized something else, that this person probably didn't feel, you know, safe about being referenced because they could tell that everyone else didn't really care about including them because their pronouns weren't listed, you know? And so I saw this all play out. And ever since that moment, which was, I think, mid-last year, in end of last year, a little over a year ago, I started listing parentheses he, him next to myself on all my online meetings, you know, for work, for uh, casual things, for non-work things, because I wanted to actively include people and make them feel loved. And basically ever since that moment last year, I just started noticing every time something said his or her, I was like, Why does it have to be his or her? Why can't it be there? Why can't it just be a person, you know? Like, as a society, we have worked so hard just to get her included because things for most of human history recorded would just say his, right? Like, everything is just a he, him, his. And so just to get her in there has been so much work for society. And by the way, women still receive a lot of, you know, um, discrimination that men don't. Like, let's be honest, cis het, white, Protestant men are like, you know, the kings of America, where we live at the very least. Um, And they receive the least discrimination and the most benefits. Anyway, so I'm thinking through all this and I start noticing and I start thinking, wow, I feel so good that I am standing up for somebody just by putting 
my little parenthesis, he, him, in my thing when I don't have to. Because people would have called me he anyway, and that's what I wanted to be called. And I call this now, I think this little thing of me putting my little pronouns in parentheses, even when I identified as just the cishet guy, like no type of queerness, um, was so valuable because it represented safety to other people and it cost me nothing. Just let that sink in for a second. The most important thing to us in life is safety. If we don't feel safe, then we can't function. We're going to be stuck in a frozen, death-like scared reaction, and we can't do anything because we're not safe. If someone was holding a gun to your head, you probably wouldn't be able to sit for eight hours and write on your dissertation because you'd be too worried about your life, you know? And so safety is the most important thing for a human being. That's fundamentally what I believe. That is what polyvagal theory teaches, which is a great um, you know, scientific theory that I follow in terms of mental health. And it's why I teach trauma recovery over all else, because trauma recovery is about feeling safe. And so I'd like to think that by putting my little he, him, that I helped someone else feel safe. And I felt great about it because it helped me connect to them and it didn't cost me anything. And so obviously you can see where this is going. I'm going to suggest that everywhere you possibly can, you put your pronouns in parentheses, whether they're he, him, she, her, you know, um, they, them, or a neo-pronoun. There are lots of different pronouns people are experimenting with since, honestly, it is kind of weird for me to be referred to as they and them, which is kind of a plural thing, but I vastly prefer it to he, and so I just love it. I still just love it. But anyway, as you know, I have now slid um, further towards the like you know active queer involvement side of the spectrum because I just realized I don't identify as a man or a male, just as a human. And I love being a they, them, and a sibling, and a child, and a spouse, and all these neutral terms. To me, it is so freeing because it lifts all these societal pressures off me and lets me just be a human being. And I love that. And I feel so much love for myself. And when I get called by the terms that I prefer, like they and them and sibling and stuff, oh, I just feel so happy. And when I get called he or him now, I don't feel good. It feels awkward because I just, I don't identify with that at all. You know, there's no part of my, my identity that feels like that. And so now feeling it from the other side, I realize how slow I was to catch on to support people who had perhaps gender non-conforming roles like I do now, or some type of, you know, gender non-conformity. Um, because it took me a long time, because I always just thought, oh, you know, I'm a he, and I look like a he, so I don't need to write he, him on a little Instagram or Facebook or Zoom, because people are already going to assume that. But I underestimated, I vastly, vastly underestimated how important it is to send that passive, non-active, just a passive signal of safety to other people. I'm including them just by making it the default. What I've done if I include my pronouns in my profile is I've made inclusion the default. And this is what's really interesting, is that if you don't make inclusion the default, then exclusion becomes the default, and people are going to worry about getting excluded. I mean, think about it. Have you ever worried about getting excluded in a social group, in a setting, anywhere because you thought you wouldn't fit in? It's a horrible and terrifying and unsafe feeling. And so 
wouldn't it feel nice to just know everybody was going to be safe in advance? And how many places, how many people do you really feel are safe in advance, you know? Are there many of them? Because I don't think there are. I think a lot of the world feels really unsafe to all of us. And so anyway, um, my point with all of this is to say the solution to the world's problems in part is everyone who already believes in inclusion and diversity moving from sort of caring some to actively putting those you know, statements out there. You know, I'm kind of confusing the terms active and passive, but what I mean is if you just put she, her, even if you identify as a woman and always have, if you just put she, her like on your Instagram, Facebook, and Zoom profile so that anytime someone sees you, they know what your pronouns are, they'll feel safe talking to you about gender identity related issues, and they'll feel safe talking to you as a human being who is going to support them. They being any person who feels it's important for their pronouns to be included, you know, or their identity to be recognized. And so I think it's so cool. And the other thing is, the problem with humanity is not actually a specific political problem or a specific, you know, physical problem. Although we have tons of those. And obviously, I'm really far to one political side, you know. But the problem with humanity is that there are are so many barriers to us feeling the mutual love we are capable of feeling at all times. On the last podcast, I talked about this. I said, there is no reason why we can't all love each other unconditionally always at all times. And if you feel that for even a second, you don't want to go back to anything else. You don't want to go back to hate. You don't want to discriminate. You don't want to have power over other people. If you really feel the love of being connected, but few people do. And the way the world's going to change, you know, if we look at it, it seems unlikely that um, that people who are hateful will go down without a fight. It seems unlikely that suddenly they'll just stop existing. But what I've noticed is room for improvement is people like me and people like me a year or two ago learning to be inclusive specifically because it's this joyful, amazing thing. And just understanding the profound impact it has on people who are marginalized, right? And so when we talk about education for just a second, and we talk about educating people um, and educating people about racism and, you know, all types of prejudice, not just queer issues, but racism and, you know, ableism and ageism and just, you know, like all this stuff, right? And colonial nationalism, you know, for example, um, we learn about this not so that we can perfectly make the perfect reparation, although it's great if we start to make reparations, and we learn about this not because we want to feel horrible about ourselves, but in my opinion, we learn about, you know, being inclusive and understanding where discrimination happens because... The moment we learn and we accept that a discrimination has happened, that things are unsafe, that things aren't inclusive, by taking a little step to be more inclusive, we get access to the joy of being part of the solution. And to me, this is the thing, right, that unfortunately is missed by, uh, I guess I'll just pick on like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and supporters, um, even though I have love for everybody. Um, But this is the thing that's missed by the anti-woke groups, which is pretty funny considering woke just means 
understanding social issues and prejudices and understanding where people have been wronged. It's pretty weird to be anti that. But when it comes to this, people think that, you know, wokeness or understanding inclusivity and all this is about just hating ourselves and hating the American country for being colonial and hating everything we've ever done. But the truth is, right, that I personally did not make the decision to kill people or harm people. And yeah, my ancestors might have, but I can be a part of the solution. If I admit the truth, I can instantly become part of the solution. And so to some extent, what I am perhaps prompting you to do is to acknowledge where you feel fragility about your privilege or identity, and then just know that like you don't need to feel ashamed of yourself or guilty. You just could choose to feel excited to be part of the solution. And I can tell you that this is a challenge as a person who was raised, you know, cishet, white male, Protestant, with all the privilege, because I'm nervous saying what I've said in the last minute. I am terrified, just like many people are, that for saying I don't feel guilty, you know, for saying I don't feel personally ashamed of the racist things that have happened, of other stuff, that by not feeling some giant cloud of guilt, maybe I'm a bad person. And I think that's why people avoid talking about you know, um, all kinds of, I guess, uh, systemic oppression, whatever type, is because if you admit you're in the group that's oppressed, are you then supposed to hate yourself? Are you supposed to hate your ancestors? Whatever. But to me, when I think about it, I just think, you know, I'm trying to be part of the solution. That's all I can do. You know, it's literally all I can do. And I know that every day, even if I had stayed a he, him, and just a you know, straight, cis, hetero, white guy, I would still want to support part of the solution and be a part of that by listing my pronouns out. And I know that that helps me and that makes me take action. And so I just question, you know, why would you need to feel ashamed of anything? I don't think shame is a helpful emotion. And if you feel a little guilt for your privilege or a little guilt for, you know, all the things you've had access to, that's okay. But you're still allowed to be a human being. You know, you don't need to denigrate yourself or hate on yourself. All you can do is just say, hey, what if I could include people and talk about systemic oppression and talk about the troubling things that are going on still in our society and still love my country and still want it to be better? I mean, that is the other thing is that people have this fixation that I may not have on the past. And the truth is, if you tell me something's been wrong in the past, the first thing I'm going to say is, well, if that's really wrong, show me how to be better. And then I just try to do better. And if I'm trying to do better, I don't see why I would need to feel ashamed of what's happened in the past. Horrible things have happened in the past. Slavery, right? Like the almost complete eradication of the indigenous people of our country. Um, You know, the oppression of all types of people who aren't white men, essentially right? Almost every group has been completely oppressed. And yet, I still don't have to bear a personal shame for that, because I'm working to make things better. And so I say all this. And so the alley-oop I have set you up for the little, you know, thing served up on the platter is just on your Zoom, your Instagram and your Facebook, and whatever other public accounts you have, use the pronoun option and list your pronouns. It doesn't cost you anything. But it will make the people around you feel so safe and so loved and so secure. 
And again, to bring it a little bit to politics and activism, right? The I don't think that the movement of, you know, success is necessarily going to come because I'm going to convince someone who's filled with hate to be filled with love. That's a very hard thing, big ask. But to ask you here on the podcast, who may already be filled with love, but who may be too scared to express your love, to give you that encouragement to just love a little more and be more open with your love for people by expressing your pronouns and supporting people who, you know, really feel passionately about that. It's a beautiful thing. It's really beautiful, you know? And when you just see people as human beings who are beautiful, who are lovely, who are worth loving, you know, and even people I talk like that I say they're doing the wrong thing, like I still got love for them, you know? If you think this is all BS, I've still got love for you. You can do your own thing. I don't mind. But I'm here offering the people who do want to help the world a really simple way to do it. So that's one thing. Um, that's my personal, you know, passion issue, being non-binary. And then one other thing I'll mention that is something I'm a very big novice in. You know, I'm also a novice at everything, right? I'm a complete novice at all of life. So again, what I've messed up here, anything I've said wrong, I'll publish definitely a written clarification if you guys need anything that was incorrect or offensive or whatever. And um, yeah, but the other thing you can do is learn what native peoples have lived on your land. So this is the crazy thing is that other inclusive people inspire me to be more inclusive. I heard from my sister about a podcast um, that is run by a person named Prentice Hemphill, and they actually live in my area of North Carolina. And so I looked up Prentice's website, and they had this nice thing. It was like Prentice Hemphill, they, them, you know, and then it talked about how they talk about different, you know, societal issues and what they explore. And then at the end of their bio, it said, you know, Prentice lives on a farm in this area of North Carolina, formerly stewarded by, you know, these um, Native American people. And I thought, wow, that's interesting that they put that. But this time, because, you know, I'm already identifying as queer, I've already thought about this a little bit, I was a little faster to the take. And I thought, huh, I wonder if there's a way I can put where I live and who and learn about the indigenous people's who were on my land and what Native American tribes or peoples were on my specific land in North Carolina where I live. And so I thought about that, but I still didn't take action because it is so easy to just let things slide. And so I think about it and then a couple, you know, a little bit goes by and then this year's quote unquote, I'm just quoting it, you know, Columbus Day or, you know, as I would like to call it, Indigenous Peoples Day came around and another great active friend in a writing group I'm on published a blog and shared it with our writing group and said, hey, this is how you can support, you know, Native tribes, um, this Indigenous Peoples Day. You can actually donate to their this certain fund helping them with an injustice that's going on. And so I donated a little small amount of money. And then I, they showed me, um, this other person that I was talking to, they showed me an online map of all the native peoples in the Americas, Australia, and a lot of other places, although they don't have the whole map filled out. But they showed me where I could find on a map the native people who, you know, lived on my land. And so now with this tool in hand, and my previous learning being inclusive with pronouns, I was thinking, huh, I'm going to go learn that. And so I learned it. And then I still didn't post it anywhere. You know, I still didn't post what native peoples were on my land. I still didn't go to their website. I still didn't learn. And so it was pretty funny because 
I had seen the example in someone else on Prentice Hemphill's website, and then my friend had literally handed me the map of which peoples were living on the land that I now lived on and technically owned the deed to, you know, on my little plot, if that can really be done. And I still didn't do anything to represent these people. And so then today on, you know, near Thanksgiving, you know, another time where we basically celebrate colonialism, you know, and white people, um, I'm finally thinking again about how can I honor and respect the people who have stewarded my land for far longer, you know, than like white people have settled on it. And I realized I could finally look that up and put it on my website and make this podcast. And so I am proud to say that finally on my website, you know, at helpimoverwhelmed.com, at the bottom, it just has a little thing that says, just like on the role model I went through Prentice's website, I have a little thing. And it says, I live with my wife, Pritha, in North Carolina on land first stewarded by the Lumbe, Scariura, and Catawba people. And so I know a little bit about those people now. And you might think, well, Woody, aren't you just giving lip service? Aren't you just saying something? What are you doing to repair the harm? Don't you need to undo all of colonialism and all hundreds of years of this horrible stuff and feel guilty about it? No, because that's too much to ask of one person. My job is not to save the whole world or bear the whole world's shame. My job is to acknowledge my privilege and then actively represent people who are not represented. I think the key thing I've learned is that the fight is not just for justice or reparation for people who have been oppressed. The fight is before we can even do that, we've got to be able to represent them and honestly acknowledge them, you know? Can you imagine how much benefit would come to all of the Native people still living in the Americas if every single person knew what which peoples had lived on their land and had learned about them, read about them, taught their kids about them? Do you know how much more culturally aware our kids would be? And more importantly, do you realize how much common love we could share? See, here's the last thing I want to tie this all together, is I have learned that the key to this whole trauma recovery thing and this whole making a better world thing, there's something in the middle, right? On one hand, I say we start from a place of trauma and fragility. So we have experienced trauma and stress in our own lives. We may feel really ashamed that, for example, I'm white and I've had so much white privilege and white people have done so many horrible things and continue to in some ways. And so I may feel too fragile to acknowledge that. But on the other hand, here I am kind of across the river a little bit, just a little, telling you, hey, you know, you can do all this inspiring stuff. You can help people. You can be imperfectly ally. You can mess up. But as long as you're giving an honest effort, you're going to feel this love and this connection and this amazing feeling helping people and helping represent them, right? You may ask me, Woody, that's great, but how do I get there? Do I really just post a couple things and then suddenly I'm there and I'm all happy? No, I don't think so. I think there is something in the middle and that something is the key action that ties everything together, which is grief. Grief is the key to the human experience and what we are all experiencing in modern society and why we all fight so much is because we have lost the ability to grieve or perhaps 
we minimize the role of grief. The role of socially connecting, finding social support to mourn the hard things in life and accept them so that we can move on. As humans, what we do is we experience trauma. That's the way life is. It's traumatic. And then we have the ability to either run away from that trauma, totally dissociate ourselves with drugs or something, or to lean into the trauma, to grieve it, which is really only possible with social support, to feel that deep human connection of just holding each other on this crazy, challenging life and planet. And then as we feel those emotions, to move into the love we feel, being truly connected and being honest about even the hardest things in the world. And so, yes, perhaps you have to grieve to be inclusive. Perhaps you have to grieve for all the people who are losing their lives. You know, yesterday, right, was Trans Remembrance Day, which is a day actually set aside by the trans community to remember those who have lost their lives to discriminatory violence. And sadly, yesterday was also the day that a shooter in Colorado Springs decided to shoot up a gay nightclub, you know, which from what I understand is, you know, rooted out of a hate crime. And so, yeah, these really tough, difficult things happen. But I just want you to know that however strong the grief is, that's how strong the connection is between the people working to make the world better. And so I'm just offering you, like, gosh, I feel like kind of a minister or something, but I am offering you the juice, the sauce, which is grieve collectively, love collectively, feel our emotions, live big, honest, bold lives, and actively support each other. I think if there was a world where every single person who supported diversity and inclusion put their pronouns on their Facebook, Instagram, Zoom, and whatever right now, just after listening to this, it'd be just a slam dunk, home run, touchdown, you know, hockey, soccer goal. (laughs) I don't know the terms for that. It'd just be amazing, wouldn't it? Can you imagine how much love is possible? And so I challenge you, go out there and find where you can post this stuff and then go and look. I'll include the um, I'll include the link to a website called nativeland.ca. It's run by a, a company, or I think it's a nonprofit, called Native Land Digital. I think they're based out of Canada. And they map all these native lands, like um, America's, like I said, America's Australia and some of Africa. And so, yeah, just... Maybe even consider wherever you like talk about your address. If you have a website, if you have something, put whose land you live on, you know? And again, it may make you feel guilty that to say, oh, wow, my ancestors, um, my ancestors appropriated this land and just killed the people there or drove them out and then took it. But the truth is they've already done that, whether you admit it or not. That's the thing I'll end on is just know this is the, what I wish the whole world knew. If I could transplant one point of view into you, if you were open to it and you think for yourself, it's that you are not responsible for other people's crimes and you do not have any forced obligation to make things better, I don't think. But I think it's just clearly the fun, loving, and right thing to do. And the worse problems are in the world, the more valuable you are as an ally. If the world was a perfect utopia, there'd be no one to help. There'd be nothing to take meaning from. And frankly, although we all wish the world was a utopia, it's never going to be. So consider being more of an ally today. Consider stepping out. I'll tell you actually one more personal thing I wish. Here's my real my real dream here. Okay, we're getting serious. My real dream is that everybody 
that more people would um, introduce themselves with their pronouns vocally and um, and even maybe consider wearing little pronoun pins to say what their pronouns are um, because I'm too scared to do that right now. I'm too scared currently to walk into a room and say, hi, I'm Woody, they, them, um, when I introduce myself to a group of random people because I'm just, it's just scary because I don't know if I'm safe in that space, you know? I don't know if someone's going to question me or someone's going to make fun of me. And I'm really scared to wear my pronoun pin that says they, them, like a little pin you wear on your chest, I mean, like a little badge type thing. And I wore it to Target one day when I went to buy a Taylor Swift CD and I was like hyperventilating, even though I don't think anybody in my Target near Raleigh cares. But that's how scary it is, right? And I am a person with tons of privilege and who has a, you know, presents as a like white hetero guy, cis guy, and I have all the privilege in the world and think how scared I am. There are people out there who have such bigger forms of oppression and struggles than me. Think how much it would mean to them if you actively represent them, actively speak up for them. It's not defeating the bad guys that I think will make the world better. I think it's if all the good guys, I guess I'm using the term guys, if all the good people just stand up and be really actively inclusive and plaster it everywhere for fun, out of joy, out of love. Let's be traumatized together and grieve together and then have joy together. So anyway, that's my little two cents for today. I hope you have enjoyed it. I know I'm not perfect. I don't know everything, but I feel like this might help somebody out there. So I feel compelled to say it. And with that, I will sign off for today. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time.